welcome back to the United in Motherhood podcast with me, Zoe Young, and today's legend of a guest, Olivia White, one of Instagram's OG mummy bloggers, the House of White. Today's episode is fueled by Happy Way. Happy Way is an 100% organic superfood supplement range, helping us mamas unlock our potential. Their vegan range is amazing. And I know I say that every week and they are our sponsor, but I genuinely love their products. Before we get into it, it's important I let you all know that today's episode gets into some topics that may be triggers for some, such as birth trauma, psychologists, mental health, the juggle that is mum life, social media, and much more. We always leave you on a positive note, but it's so important if you or anyone you know is struggling to seek support. I've left some resources down below. Now, this is Livy's story, not yours, not mine. And as women, we must respect and accept each other to know that we're all doing our best. The United Motherhood podcast, our YouTube series, and the community in its entirety is just that, a safe space for us women to learn from one another. All right, a bit of a warning and to point out the obvious, this podcast was recorded via Skype, so the quality isn't the greatest, but I promise you the content is fab, so try and ignore the rustles and enjoy. I hate myself for asking this, however, let's be real, I'd love for United Motherhood to reach all that need it and for us to grow, and I need your help to do so. So, if you feel like helping a mama out, I'd love if you could give the podcast a rating and a review. Alrighty, I'm not about long intros, and I've just given the longest intro in the world, so let's get to it. because I hate doing an intro in front of people I find oh, it really that's fine I hated it too oh it's so awkward I had to do one the other day and I was like uh, 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 and then I was awkward the whole thing because it just was weird yeah but anyway we were just talking about business chicks but let's get into that's kind of I guess how I started following you and I just said like I felt like I have met you which I guess is the scary thing around like social media is sometimes people think they know you yeah just because <laughs> they follow you on social media it's so scary but you must get that all the time uh, yeah and like I said though I think it's just become so normal to me but if I go somewhere or go to an event or even just down the street and stuff like that and I see someone that I follow on social media and I was like hey babe how you going and then but more like, than oh, likely they follow you as well so yeah. they probably want to do well, the same thing to each other, like old friends and then you realize you've physically never met in person and you're like oh I but, know but it's kind of, it's like the kind of like normal world. Like everyone can be, you can have your community online and actually never have met like half of them. Yeah, I know. I mean, I dance around in my house by myself, but it feels like I'm not by myself. <laughs> which, <laughs> which you were just doing, literally. I was just sitting down with my husband. So he, he is so, like he has no idea about social media. I don't, like he doesn't even know what a story is. Sometimes I'm talking about stuff and he's like, what the hell? I'm like, <laughs> This is who I'm about to podcast with, and we were just giggling. You were hilarious. The Ghostbusters <laughs> one was freaking lol. It was great. The Sunnies. Anyway, you growing up, you live rural. Is it right to say you live rurally? Is that the right word? I would say regionally. Rural. Region. Uh, yeah. Yeah, regionally. I live in a town. Like, um, we have a Maccas. <laughs> you have a Maccas. Okay. Love it. Love Maccas. it. That's, you, how, that's how I scale. Hilarious. Did you grow up regionally? Um, I did when I was really young, 
So yeah. uh, I grew up in the Dandenong, so up like, you know, basically, yeah, in the bush. Uh, and then when I was sort of like early teens, we moved to Melbourne, uh, like inner city Melbourne, Carlton, and then I grew up there until I was about 21 and then I moved out here, which is where Jez is from. Nice. Oh, yeah, because you were saying that's where Jez's family is. Is that what took you out there? Yeah, so he was living in Melbourne when we met, but then he came back here to go to uni and then just after we'd been together for six or seven years by this stage and yeah I moved out here and now I'm here now you're there and you're renovating your bathroom and the whole house but Jezza can we talk about how you guys met like have you ever spoken (laughs) about that yeah well I mean (laughs) not to my mum for a very long time but um (laughs) I was out one night I had a fake ID Uh, it was like 3 a.m in the morning I was out the front of a nightclub. I don't know what was happening. I think the girls that I was out with, they'd gone to 7-Eleven or something like that. So I was just sitting on the side of the road. I must have looked miserable. I think I probably was just like tired and over it. This guy comes up to me and he sits down next to me and he's like, hey, how you going? And I'm like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) That's just me. I'm just like, fuck off. And he said that I was like so cold about it. And he's like, all right. And he's like, walked off. And then a couple of minutes later, comes back, sits down next to me, and he's made like an origami boat out of a rave flyer. I think it was like a two tribes flyer. And I just remember, like, I laughed before I could control my face, like, before I could be like, fuck off again. And because I laughed, that was it. Like, he was in. And then he was like, yeah. And don't ask me how, but uh, it ended up being a one night stand uh, that lasted for 15 years. Oh my God, I love that. That's the best. <laughs> so yeah, don't ask me how I went from telling him to fuck off to going home and sleeping with him. <laughs> oh my god. No, he's clear it was clearly meant to be. And an yeah. Oregani boat, that's impressive. Was he drunk? Yes, ex- um pretty drunk. Um as was I, I think. And yeah. I was never actually a big drinker uh, in my teens. Um I was really bad. Uh, it was more other things. Yeah. Sorry, mum. Um yeah, never Are we talking never- like bad with boys. Uh, ah, yes, boys. Um, combination of that and probably uh, more illicit substances. So, oh, yeah, 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 that's all right. I can't even remember what we're up to. Uh, talking about drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Nice. Let's get away from the drugs. Let's put your mum hat on. So you've got two beautiful girls. How old are yeah. you? Like, for those not listening, tell us about your kitties. Not yeah, listening. So don't follow you, I uh, should say. <laughs> my daughters are three and five. So Teddy is three, Theodora, and Annabelle is five, five and a half, or almost six actually in October. So, yeah. Teddy, three. Yes. I thought she was so much older because Heidi is three and a half, I think she is, nearly three and a half. Teddy seems super, like, mature. Is that the right word? <laughs> well, Teddy's actually quite small for her age. So a lot of the time people are like, they think she's younger. Um, but I think I guess the way she chats. Like, I feel like when she's chatting, she seems older. Well, I think it's just because she's got an older sister. So yeah, I think they just pick things up quicker. Like Annabelle obviously had um, a lot of speech issues because she had her tonsils and adenoids removed. And then she had to have grommets. So she spoke a lot later. So, um, yeah, I guess. Like, That's the same with, um, so Heidi had her tonsils and adenoids removed 
And she had a bit of a delayed speech as well. Like she was physically like walking at like nine months, like throwing a ball and was like fully yeah. physically fine. But yeah. then she like didn't speak and developed sleep apnea and all this hectic stuff. But she got hers out and it's like been like life changing for us. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. It was, it was a massive thing. And Annabelle was the same. She walked at like nine, 10 months, yeah. hits all their milestones. Um, it was just she was constantly sick. That's what alluded us to it. Uh, and then she had them out. And then, of course, we were referred straight away to a speech therapist because they basically concluded that she was deaf before that. And, yeah, but, I mean, she's fine now. Like, she's fully caught up. She's in prep now and she's, yeah, killing it. So she doesn't even go to a it's speech fun. therapist anymore. Yeah, it's funny how the kids just develop it different stages and like she would have struggled because of you know whatever was going on because they said when they took Heidi's adenoids out they were huge like huge yeah. I also if I wanted to see them I was like no thanks no I know we were the same I was like no nah, I'm good yeah no what do adenoids even look like like nuts I have no idea yeah, I like, think so yeah I think that it's the ones that come out like of the no- like the back of the nose bit and they're just like a lump yeah, it's full on. Alrighty, so let's go back to you and Jezza. Talk us through your timeline, like when you got married, when you moved in, that kind of stuff. We were together for quite some time. Um, and I think because we were so young when we got together, like we've definitely grown together. Like we didn't, even when we got married, I think maybe that was a symptom of everyone around us was doing that. And we forgot that we had been together from such a young, young age that when we did get married, we were still really young. And when we did have Annabelle, like we were still really young. Um, And even now I'm 30 and most of my friends haven't had kids yet. Like, so you kind of forget that we were were really young. Um, But, yeah, I was probably together for, I'm trying to work it out in my head now, probably six or seven years. Uh, before we got married we got married in the July we bought a house in the December this house and then we found out we were pregnant in the January so that all happened really quickly shit that's super fast it kind of sounds similar to so Toby and I got together when I was just after I turned 17 I think I was and I'm 20 just turned 27 so we had kids how old were you when you had Annabelle 23 yeah, same same here. And, like, no one around me had kids. And it was incredibly um, – it was amazing, but it was so isolating. I don't know if you felt that way as well. Absolutely. Like, and I – at the time going through pregnancy, like, I didn't have friends that had babies. I didn't know what the fuck to do with a baby. I'd never held a baby. Um, it was all, like, a real surreal experience. And then, of course, in those first few weeks with Annabelle – like I just shut myself off. I didn't have visitors. Um, you know, I didn't do the whole everybody come see the baby because like I just couldn't deal with it because I was like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? Yeah, well, that's half the reason I started my Instagram was because I literally had no one around me that had babies. Yeah. Can we talk about your Instagram? Because you've been in the game how long? Like a while now. In the game. <laughs> in, the, in the game. Yeah, well, it's like I feel like every man who's dog now is becoming and is is that the right word an influencer? Yeah, I mean people get I think get funny about that. I mean I don't really care whatever you want to call it, blogger, influencer, mummy, whatever, person on the gram. Um 
I started Instagram like pretty much as soon as the app became a thing, like before I think Facebook owned it because I just liked posting pictures. I was always that friend at events or festivals or whatever it might be um, taking photos. Like I literally have, you know, terabytes of photos dating back to like 2000 because I just always love taking photos. So Instagram was like a natural fit for me. And then just first couple of months after having Annabelle, I just, yeah, I started a blog. Uh, I started writing. Um, I started posting pictures. They sort of complemented each other. And here I am six years later. It's absolutely crazy. Like to yeah. think that you've been on. So I didn't even know Instagram had been around for six years. I think Instagram started, was it 2010, 2011? Yeah, see, I was at school. Well, I finished <laughs> in 2000. I finished in 2010. I think I, I don't even remember when I got Instagram, but it was always like private. So it never really, I never really did yeah. anything. I just, just yeah. kind of watched people. Mine, I think mine's always been public, like even before I made it a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of people that I speak to that fall into this, you know, like I'm doing like, you can't even see what I'm doing, but I'm doing like bunny fingers, like influencer category. Ah, they, yeah. I mean, I think, every, I feel like everyone, regardless if you are an influencer by definition, we all have influence, right? Whether it's our mom or our grandma or our friends watching us on a private account or, you know, with 10 followers, you still have influence because people are still putting eyes on your content. I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but I feel like you and so many of the women that play in this sort of social media space are entrepreneurs that just fall into the social media category. It's no different to entrepreneurs forging their careers in the banking industry or in the finance industry or in the chocolate industry or whatever it may be. Like, I feel like there's no difference between entrepreneurs playing in the social media space as there are in other spaces. I don't know if that makes sense. 100%, like I get you. And I think that it's like anything, right? Anyone can do, you know, can try their hand at anything, but to be successful in it, like you've got to have it, whatever it is oh, to succeed in that field. Um, totally. And at the end of the day, it's, it's entertainment. What we do is entertainment. Um, and... Yeah, you've kind of got to constantly be on, switched on, you know, giving right. that entertainment. But reading your audience and, you know, gauging, you know, what what is and isn't working and stuff like that. You know, if you want to make it successful in the sense of monetizing it or making it a job but, um, and walking that fine line between keeping your audience engaged and keeping that trust with them that you built um, from the very start and making money and yeah totally totally and I think at like the end of the day let's be real like this is your job now and if we're spending as much time as we are building this community and building the rapport and the trust some like to live you need money right hands down and I couldn't afford to be on there as much as I am you know without you know monetizing it and I wouldn't be able to invest the time I invest in writing articles for people that are meaningful, that are helpful, that are resourceful. Um, you know, I couldn't work on the campaigns that I get to work on that, um, you know, inspire people, you know, around body image, around confidence, around talking about taboo issues for women, for mothers, all that stuff. You can't do it. Like you physically and emotionally cannot can do that 24 hours a day without there being some kind of kickback. 
Totally. And all of those opportunities and all of that stuff that you're doing is stemming from your purpose and your why and the things you're passionate about. But like you said, end of the day, like it is your job, but it's a job that you love and a job that's based around things, you know, that you, you know, give you purpose. But anyway, I loved your post today on small business and how small businesses can like approach influencers or like engage in an influencer marketing sort of like campaign. How to, yeah. Like that's in, what you're writing down though. That's invaluable stuff for brands, for businesses to be reading. So you're giving content that is so like tangible and applicable to people's livelihoods, if that kind of makes sense, I guess, in a way. Yeah. And like sometimes I write stuff like that, right, where it doesn't appeal to my broader audience, but it applies to a select few but yeah it's information that they want that they're constantly asking me for like I'm listening to people when they're sending me dms or writing questions to me and I'm like okay on theme this is something that people want to know it's usually something that people in my space don't want to talk about um yeah they shy away from it you know so I'm going to give my my but I loved that you had it's your opinion but I loved it wasn't a dig but it's the best because like I feel like as a consumer, like I've only recently switched mine over to public, but as a consumer, like you follow all these cool people and then like Monday night at 7 p.m. every single person's posting about X, Y, and Z. It's like, that is annoying. And like you called that out in your... Um, oh, it's thing. fucking annoying. We hate it too. Like we it's hate just, brands do that. But the brand, right? Yeah, your hands down. That's what like, I, was, I, it's, I was talking to, like it's going to come out in the podcast in a, I think it's this week actually, um, just a girlfriend of mine who's just completely pulled herself off social media for different reasons. And she was saying that a lot of brands almost, I shouldn't say all brands, but some brands, they take you for a bit of a ride. They, you know, you genuinely love the product and then they do like that thing, posting at the same time and, you know, having 55 people doing the same thing. Oh, absolutely. And we hate it too. And there's only so much you can do to protect yourself from it. Like, you know, you inquire, okay, who else is on the campaign and when are they going to be posting and, and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes they, they don't want to tell you or, um, yeah, you kind of get blindsided, at, you know. Um, it's one of those things. Like I feel like it's such a foreign world. Like I feel like there's so many people that are on here that um, it's a, it's constantly evolving and I feel like there's no – I don't know, like it's a new, it's a not a new industry, I guess, because it's been around for a while, but in regards to like people having it as like their career, I feel yeah. like the guidelines are so kind of everywhere. Oh, hands down. And like, trust me, like I'm on campaigns where it's like that. I mean, you guys probably are so sick of seeing HelloFresh and Co. And, uh, you know, I've worked with both of them and I still work with Co now and I love their shit. Like I fucking love it. And so I'm just like, I was one of the first people they ever worked with and I've consistently done it. And I'm like, but every time I'm like, campaign works. I know, but they're like, they make us post on the weekend because they're like, that's when everyone's cleaning. And I'm like, oh my God, guys, please just let me post any other day. Like you're killing me, but they don't let us. But at the same time, I'm like, I do really love their products and I can't, yeah. I can't punish myself. Do you know what I mean? Because other people are going to still keep doing it. And I'm like, well, I've worked with them from the start. Like I know that I get the cut through because I get the reports back from them, you know, when you're using the discount code that mine is like, you know, cutting through. So I'm like, you know what? It's, it's also a, a great product, like a great product. And because you have been around, like, to be honest, like I bought their stuff because of the, like the campaign. Yeah. Instead of going, they're doing, it is working. 
like they can say I did it and I'm a sucker for a marketing campaign so and I mean at the end of the day this is one thing I said in that blog post as well is that it doesn't matter how much money you throw at something or how many influencers you get to promote it you have to have a good product because you can pay Kim Kardashian like you can pay a million influencers till the car till the cows come home if your product shit if it's not useful if it's not solving a problem for people it's not gonna work no at the end of the day people will buy it once and then they'll never buy it again another thing you wrote about in the blog post today was sniffing out a rat and can (laughs) I just I just tell you like this is I'm not gonna name names or anything but when I said I'm gonna start to put what I want to do like practice like bring it to life this whole united motherhood thing and she's like go for it and then I started talking to a couple of other people that kind of in the social media industry and I can't even tell you how many people were like you need to get over 10k just buy your followers just buy your followers people won't take you seriously brands won't take you seriously I'm like oh my are, god like a, like a my conscience I would feel sick going to bed every night but you can sniff it out like I'm not the smartest cookie in the cookie jar and you know when people have fake followings and oh, as if a brand's gonna invest in that like surely not you'd be surprised though like um one of the things that even sort of prompted that part in my blog post is that there's a number of people and I'm I mean I've been doing this for a very long time and I'm very much the kind of person that's like whatever I can do you know like you want to buy your followers you want to buy your likes that's fine but it does get frustrating when you do start to work on campaigns right where you know hands down that there is someone on that campaign that has like a fully fake following fully fake likes, Um, you know, you can use programs like Hype Auditor where you go in there and you can, um, it literally gives you like a detailed rundown of their engagement. And there are people on there who I've been on similar campaigns with who have actually blocked their profile on Hype Auditor so people can't get it. And I'm like, I'm like that. I'm like, why would you do that? Like you're literally just saying you can't see it because you're going to see my followings fake. And I'm like, Oh my, I didn't even know there was a program called that, but for them to do that, surely the agencies and all the PR agencies and yeah. everyone that's a brand, but don't they know not. about that program? Like they're not. Like, you know, I think, especially for small business, that's why I think it's so important, but there's a really big divide, right? I think when brands work directly with people, one, I think it's better because less pies in the finger. Well, sorry, less fingers in the pie. <laughs> My God, less less pies in the fingers, guys. Less pies in the fingers. Um, like they, it's their money. Like it's coming from their pocket. So they're very across it, very aware. When you have PR agencies, right, they go out and they get budgets and like they don't deliver it as a person by person. They just deliver it as a whole campaign. We got you this much exposure, this many likes from the collection of, influences that they use so they don't actually give a fuck it just they care about the reporting at the end so you know yeah like I you know really good friends of mine like are on these really sort of like intimate campaigns where there's only four or five influences and there's one person on there that you're like the whole thing's fake like literally their entire following is like you know over 100k how do you bite your tongue I, I'm I'm really bad. I feel like I like you do you, I'll do me. I, I'm all yeah. for that. But I almost would be like, you are like for the few people that are real following you, you're taking them for a ride. Like you're fucking them over. Like it just. Well, I mean, you're effectively the brand. fraud. You're stealing from the brand. But the frustrating thing for, um, and this was more something that was like brought to attention to me because it was happening to other people that 
you're kind of proud when you create a really good piece of content for a brand and sponsored content never goes as well for you because one Instagram can pick it and so they just limit your reach but two people don't fucking like it like I don't understand why people can't like it's like if you see a sponsored post right it's almost like I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not asking you to buy anything like spend your money just fucking like the picture that's all you have to do to support like me. the picture just and like support, picture. support me but it's like supporting small bit like this is this is your business this is your brand essentially I know and then I know, like I, just exactly. it's like it's not coming out of your pocket it's coming out of the advertiser's pocket like but at the same time you might get x amount of likes and you're like oh no I'm proud of that you know like I created a really good piece of content for this brand that had really good cut through and then the person with fake followers and fake likes just goes and completely exceeds you because they've bought them all and you're like oh come on like because you worked really hard like you know when you go four five six years to build your following and then someone blitzes you overnight because they bought it you're like and then they get paid the same, if not more than you. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, why did See, I do that? That would give like, me the shits. That would literally give me the shits. Like, I want everyone to succeed. Don't get me wrong. But you've got yeah. to earn it. You've got to sacrifice. Like, M the other day was talking to the girls on Shameless Podcast, and she said the most beautiful line. She said, I've never met someone that is successful that hasn't sacrificed some area of their life to get to yeah. where they are. But whether that be waking up late, going to bed, like like sacrificing social activities, opportunities, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Like I feel like it would give me the shits if like you've been in the game six years. Like how big is your following? I don't even know. Oh, it's not even that big. Like I only have like a hundred. You've got to be proud of that. Like you've worked your ass off to get to where I, you are. And someone can go and buy a hundred K and for I don't know, however much they pay to buy it for and brands yeah, are paying much. them the same. Like it's sh- it's so it, annoying. It's rude. It's hard too because it also um, it puts you in a negative headspace too because, like, you get to the point where you're like, fuck, like, why am I trying so hard? Like, I feel like the more you invest, like, and I have given so much to my audience in the sense of being vulnerable and really giving them insight into my life and I feel like the more you do that, the more people expect it. So, like, you create this almost unrealistic, like, level um, that you've got to kind of maintain and yeah. you do, like, you, you burn out from it and stuff. And, like, I think, what was it, start of this year, was it maybe, like, 80, 90K? And everyone started doing those competitions, you know, like, um, yes. where they have, Bullet. like, a really big person or whatever. And I did one of them because everyone was doing it. And I felt, you know, I was like, you know what, fucking hell, like, I'm going to have to play the game to keep up right. I did one of those. And it did. Like, it boosted my followership by... Um, I think, oh, maybe like 20,000, 30,000 or something like that. Yeah, which is huge. But like I've always felt gritty about it. Like I've always been like it, – it didn't – like it did actually boost my engagement and a lot of those followers that followed me from the competition, like I was getting DMs like, oh, my God, like I followed you from this competition but now I'm so glad that I found you because you're hilarious and blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't – but I still was like – I feel like that's all people are doing now. Like there's just – and I get it. I completely – completely understand why like because it's like yeah. what you have to do to stay ahead of the game now like because people are they're blitzing you like fucking blitzing you in the numbers um but when they you open also, the in a way like you shouldn't feel guilty about it because or not guilty it shouldn't weigh you know if it's something you're thinking about then I don't think it, like those people that have stuck around to follow you like they can easily click unfollow after the competition's over if they didn't want to so you've got yeah. people and, that and, are, they, and they did like there was plenty of people that did unfollow like it was um, you know, it went up and then it went down and stuff like that. And um, 
it does. Like, it means that the people that have been around for ages, like, and I saw accounts bigger than me who have been around just as long, um, who have got really engaged followings, like, you know, um, we all sort of like, yeah, we just sort of like felt it was kind of what you had to do. And I did it once and I was like, oh, fuck this. Like, You're done. Never yeah, do it like, again. You know, it, I don't think it actually, it just doesn't, the numbers just don't matter. You know, like I said, I'm not huge. In six years, you know, there's people who started six months ago who are the same size, if not bigger. Um, but I have a really engaged audience and I know that I do. And I know that, you know, I've worked with certain brands for two, three years and they keep on coming back. Uh, no, I keep keeping that narrative. And yeah. you got to be proud of that. Like this is your, like I keep saying, it's your brand. It's your, this is something that who cares about the numbers? Like, you know, your community, like the back of your hand and you yeah. know, like, you know, like, you know them, like they are, they essentially like your online family and the things you're bringing to them, whether it be brands or posts or content or what being at events or aligning with something like, you know, the stuff that speaks to them and the stuff that they're going to get value out of. And that's something to be really proud of. Like if people started six months ago, they're still establishing, regardless of what their numbers are, they, you, they like, you know, you know, your why for being on there. And it's, that's awesome. I think that's something to be super proud of. And, and that's it. And I, I hands down do like, I've always known my purpose. And I think whenever I do start, cause that's the, th- that's the thing, I guess I, the point I wanted to make though, is, is that we all at some stage feel the pressure. We all at some stage, you know, it's very, I mean, social media in its whole is designed for people to compare themselves. Like you've yeah. really got to know how to rein yourself back in and go, okay, like that's not healthy. I shouldn't be looking sideways, like you yeah. know, comparing yourself or anything like that. But we do get caught sometimes. I just find that for me, that when I put those blinkers on and I come back to my my own why and my own purpose is when I'm most yeah. successful and I have the best. And, but um, and I, I think I have a very much like Robin Hood mentality as well that when it comes to small business, um, like I do, big campaigns, big brands, big budgets, right? That's where I, you know, that's where I make my bread and butter. When it comes to a small mar and par business, if someone comes to me and they have an amazing product and they approach me in a, you know, a kind way, they have a product that literally solves a problem that I have. Like, you know, I work with a girl that sells bedwetting mats and, um, you know, all these different things, you know, someone who, you know, follows you because they pick up something in your stories, they pick something up in your stories or they pick something up in your post. They say, Hey, I've got this. I saw this. I think this would be good for you. And I'm like, yep, cool. You know, and it's just a, a beautiful alignment. And then, you know, you get the feedback. They're like, Oh, you shared this on your stories. And I got like, hundreds of sales or See, that's the stuff right like they're feeling a need in your life and you're helping them grow their business like that is a massive win on both parties love that but anyway speaking of your blog post we were just talking about you also document a lot about having anxiety and flying and I feel like anxiety <laughs> is a word that we hear like a lot about at the moment but for you what does like what does that mean and that sounds so weird of a question yeah you know what it's so funny because you know, I think over the last, what, six or seven years that I could probably say that my anxiety has been a, um, you know, huge factor in my life. And it's only now that I'm I'm seeing someone and I'm doing a lot of work in that space to sort of overcome it and understand it um, and work past it. I, my anxiety 100% comes from being out of control. Um, so that's why flying, obviously, because, you know, you're not, the one flying the plane, like you're completely out of control. Um, yeah. In the early stages of motherhood, 
you know, it was that sense of being out of control because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, you know, I didn't feel confident. Um, you know, when you're trying to get a handle on everything plus recover from a traumatic birth, you know, you just, you do, you feel so out of control of your own life. And I guess that that is just where it stems for me. You know, um, Annabelle going to school was a big trigger for me because again, I'm out of control. Like she's at school for such a large portion of the day. She's out of my care. There's so many external influences. Um, so that, that is 100% the trigger. Uh, and I think as well, um, you know, I think back to in my teens and stuff, I don't know if it was because you have less responsibility, um, less cares in the world. So like you sort of don't have that fear of the unknown going into the future, but definitely uh, self-medicating with illicit substances did not help my brain chemistry. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with doctors and like with my psychologist that that's definitely been a long-term effect from doing that. So don't do drugs, kids. Um, <laughs> but oh my, sorry, mum. Yeah, sorry, mum. I think it does. I think it just comes with age and, and motherhood. Like it, it is, it's a, it's the balance between is it normal levels of anxiety or is it spilling over into life altering, like prohibiting. And for a very long time there, it was for me. Um, And, you know, I have immediate triggers. So flying, Um, you know, things where I'm in a circumstance, right, where I know it's going to trigger me. So I try and either manage it or avoid it. But then there are the the longer term sort of like where you really just you're constantly anxious and you don't know why like it's a chemical thing and I've only really experienced that maybe three or four times in my life in the last couple of years uh but it's dreadful and it's debilitating yeah Um, it's it's crippling yeah geez and your advice is someone like you're obviously seeking you were just talking about you've got a psychiatrist you seek a lot of support yeah, best thing I ever did. I don't know why I waited so long to do it. I think that when things would get bad, it is actually a really fucking tedious process. Like you've got to go to the GP and you've got to get a referral and then you've got to actually get an appointment. And where I live regionally, like it took me four months to get in to see her. Like for the first appointment, oh, it took me four so by that, that, gives me the, that gives me the shit so bad. So I, I don't, you probably have no idea about this, but like my sister was diagnosed. I think she was, I don't know when she was diagnosed officially with bipolar, but she was, I think she was around 17 ish, but she was a highly anxious and for a long time we had no idea what was going on, but the kids like now we do a lot of research as like a family with like the brain and mind institute and all these like people my family are very much into the whole mental health space and that's what gives me the shits is that the people that are really struggling and jumping off bridges and doing things to harm themselves it's because the process is so fucked up to actually Mm. get help yeah yeah it it kills me it kills me It, it honestly by the time I got in I was like well you know I was I was in a really dark place like when I sort of started to make those um those reach outs and sort of yeah find out what I could do and you know you do you four months yeah I mean I I can only imagine like for some people like how it ends up you know in that tragic circumstance and I sort of sat in there for the first session I was like um I don't really know why I'm here like uh, sometimes I get anxious uh, but you know I kind of feel like maybe I'm overreacting blah 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 so you kind of always go in and you're like, oh, what the fuck am I going to get out of this? And it was the best thing I've ever done. 
Um, I don't know how they do it, but, you know, she would ask questions that somehow led to these huge revelations. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, my anxiety around Annabelle going to school. And we end up talking about, that, you know, the fact I haven't dealt with all my trauma from my birth. And yeah, like, can we it was... talk about your birth? I feel like we've touched on it, but like, I have no idea about this. This is like something I've never well, I heard guess about. I, I didn't actually realize until recently that I actually fucking avoided talking about it because I was dealing with the fact that you, you tell yourself like, oh, you know, it wasn't that bad or that like, oh, people have had worse. And I guess it just depends on you as a person and how you take it. But um, it, again, it, it goes back to the being out of control. Um, yeah. I had, I was in the public system. Um, I had obstetricians that were very, very focused on natural birth over cesareans. Um, they let me be in labor for three and a half days which is Shut extremely up. exhausting. Yeah, I went in on the Friday night. I went in on the Friday. I didn't have her until the Monday. Stop. Um, so I had the gel. I had the drip. I had the drip for over nearly 24 hours. Most people have the drip and have a baby within half an hour. Yeah, like, far out. So you were induced for 24 hours essentially? Well, I had the gel as well. So uh, I had oh. the gel from the Friday night uh, and I started getting contractions and then they – softened off and then they gave me the gel again and I got even more contractions and still didn't work and then more gel I know um, my OB listens to my podcast she will be cringing like absolutely yeah. cringing and then uh I got they broke my waters um and then I got the drip and I remember I think I got through like 246 levels of candy crush I had um, the drip in I had an epidural obviously um best thing ever yeah best <laughs> thing ever epidural. Only for it all to go pear-shaped in the middle of the night. They had to call everybody in. I was rushed into a um, surgery to have an yeah. emergency caesarean. And then what? I was just exhausted by that stage because I'd yeah, basically been Yeah, but how did they leave you in labour for three days? Surely after like 24 hours, they're like, honey, you're not progressing. We're going to take you in for a caesar. Like, yeah, I don't gotta know. we got to get the and, baby out. And this Your was the thing, you know, I was so young and I had no idea and you sort of, you yeah. trust that these medical professionals have your best interests at heart. And yeah. I never felt like I had choices. I was never presented with my choices. I was never presented with information. Again, it was just like this complete feeling of being out of control. And then I had her at like 1am in the morning and then I basically passed out. And so I was so exhausted. I was so tired. You know, there was no time to give me a spinal. They had to chop off my epidural. So I didn't hold Annabelle for hours because I passed out like yeah. so because you and were then literally I, in labor yeah, for three I days like, I literally was exhausted like I literally just and then I had these compression things on my legs they're not compression stockings but like oh the, the on pumps my legs. the pumps yeah, yeah my pump. dad had my dad had that when he had um spinal surgery and he, does that mean you were in bed for that long oh because you would have had an epidural yeah yeah so they were like you know obviously an epidural works like it's not technically designed for you to have a Caesar. Um, but they had no time to get the spinal and all that kind of stuff. So Does that mean that you you felt a bit like you felt. Yeah, it was def when I had a spinal, like I could feel nothing. I was like, think, but when you have the epidural, you can feel it. Yeah, shit. I mean, it was no pain, but um, and then yeah, like I actually left the hospital the next day because I didn't want to be in hospital anymore. Like I was, I think I was. I remember they actually had to, at one point, like, I remembered that, I, I don't, 
I don't exactly remember, but I remember just going crazy, like yeah. being like, I just want to see her. I just want to hold her. This was like the next day. Um, but I was still under observation myself and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like demanding that I wanted to leave. Uh, and so they gave me something to knock me out. And then I was out again for like another eight hours. Cause apparently I was like psycho, like I was psychotic. Basically I was like screaming and I don't really remember, but they had oh. to give me something to knock me out again. Cause I was like demanding that I was going to leave. But you didn't get to hold your baby. Like this no, makes my this is- this is going to cry. This makes my heart hurt. Like not being so like, able to put your baby up on your chest. Yeah. So it was just all this stuff. And I'd never really thought about it until recently and recalled all those things. Like I'd forgotten about the fact they knocked me out again because I was a bit crazy. Yes. It sounds like a psych ward. You know, when you see those like. It was, um, it was literally like that. Yeah, fuck. Jesus. Does that mean like and this sounds like this is such a stupid question that doesn't matter, but does that mean you didn't even get to like put her on the breast or like any of that? So there was like a few hours in between that where like they put her on. Um because she did have formula while she was in there. Like obviously they only syringe feed them at that stage, but um they had to because I was like in and out of consciousness. But um Jesus. That was horrific in itself as well. I've got a nurse like grabbing my boob and, you know, trying to twist it so that it's facing like northeast again to the sun, <laughs> whatever. Um, so that it's was actually, yeah, but it's full on, full on. And to think that you were like drugged and out of it and then you went home, like, how did they like let you go home? My mother, uh, my mother in law's a midwife. So um, oh. you're supposed to, have, when you have, Caesar, they give you those clexane injections or whatever it is. That's the main reason why you have to stay. And they gave permission for her to administer them at home. I think by that stage, they were like, get the fuck out of here. Like, she's, she's insane. She's going to keep crazy. yelling at us. I just wanted to be home. I just wanted to hide. I just yeah. wanted to be in the safety of my own home. The hospital's yeah. hot, like, really hot in there. Um, I wanted everyone to is it like not air conditioned? I remember, no, and because, you know, you're in a maternity ward, like it's a public hospital and it's a fucking shit hospital. How it hasn't been demolished, like, and they haven't built a new one. It's ridiculous. Sorry, Warragul Hospital. <laughs> no, we're not sorry. We're not fucking sorry. Everyone knows it's fucking shit. And oh, that is um, shit. like the staff are amazing. Like the poor people that have to work there. It's like, you know, and it's all politics, you know, when it's a public hospital. But I, yeah, I just wanted to be home. And I remember it's funny when you like think back and you remember these things but in a public hospital too like people just come and go as they please right like you've got no privacy and I hadn't slept for like three and a half days and I remember the um she must have been like you know from the kitchen or whatever so like it wasn't like a nurse or a doctor oh, like the and food they just, just want to take like your food order or they want to see if you want a newspaper or whatever it is and they just barge in and you're clearly trying to sleep and, like, they don't care. They're like, yeah. just want to check if you wanted lunch. I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, just sleep. Like, I remember off. that so clearly. So I actually I went through the private system. But still, like, we like, – there was a lady who would come in every morning and, like, with Blake, he would never sleep. Like, I was there for, like, five days. Like, I don't know why I was there. Like, I had no problems, nothing. I just felt like I think because you were meant to stay there for that long. Like, I'm such a textbook girl. I just sat there and stayed there. Anyway, and this girl came in on like day four and it was like 7 a.m. and I just got Blake to sleep and she was like, breakfast. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? Like, get yeah. out. Like, I, I know. Just they, just, they, they don't care. They don't check. Like, 
Oh. Like, oh, fuck right off, mate. But, yeah, it's, I just want to get the fuck out of there. It's full on. And also, like, I don't know, like, you've got your bleeding and, like, you got to change your pattern. Your tits are leaking everywhere and you feel gross and, like, none of your clothes, like, you feel so uncomfortable. Like, you just uh-huh. – I, did, I didn't want – I wanted my family <clears> and I, I wanted Toby so bad to just stay with me the whole time. But I just – yeah, I didn't want anyone else from the outside world like seeing me. I know that sounds so sad. It's like the happiest time ever, but you also just feel I felt so self conscious. I didn't want any. I didn't want to see anyone. Like I never had friends come to the hospital both times. Um, yeah. Was your birth the second time round? Like, were you prepared? Like, did yeah, you? Yeah, I had a plan Caesar, but I had to fight with my obstetrician to get that too. He was like, "Oh, you can have a V back." I'm like, "Fuck off! I'm not having a V back. Like, I'm having a plan Caesar. We have to schedule it in." cut it out like because it was I needed to have that sense of control I needed to make the decisions for myself like I learned from Annabelle's birth you know um and it's funny my psychologist says to me like um because I have that that connection with Annabelle that you know and I struggled when she went to school she's like how are you with Teddy I'm like oh fine Teddy's fine Teddy can look after herself because you know like Teddy's birth like it was fine you know like yeah it's I wonder if you went through like I don't know if you did but like if you had like postpartum like the blues and depression and because oh, of hands down, yeah like yeah I've had, I've had doctors and the psychologists tell me that I hands down did I knew that I had uh anxiety during my pregnancy and post my pregnancy um yeah. I've never been someone that I would say gets depressed or anything like that uh yeah. but looking back on it now and actually talking to people about it, hands down, I was depressed. Like, yeah. and it's for quite some length of time. Um, yeah. But I feel like the residual effects of birth, like whether it be good or bad or whatever, like it's crazy how they come into this world can really, I don't know, like define your relationship almost in a way to some extent until you like do the work to like change it. Yeah. Oh, hands down. And had I have not gone to see someone this year, Um, when my anxiety was sort of at a peak and that was around when Annabelle went to school, like I would have not not known any of this and I would have just left it. And who knows how that chips away at you. Yeah, which is beautiful advice without even saying it. Like if there is someone listening to this that's struggling or you know someone or you think a girlfriend might be or your sister or whatever, reach out and, you know, suggest there's so much help. Like the Gidget Foundation, I don't know if you guys have that in Melbourne, I, I have no idea, but the Gidget Foundation here in Sydney is like, amazing for mums and it's a free resource to like all mums I don't know what wait periods are like but there's so many things that can help you so make sure you take the steps to get the get the support like you have absolutely I my advice is like even if you feel like you're completely fine everyone needs a psychologist in their life just 2019 that's just where it's at (laughs) everyone everyone needs a psychologist to live in (laughs) western culture and society It's it's so weird. Like we were even talking about this. This is again with Elise, but like social media psychologists are going to become like a thing. I feel oh, if they're not already. Oh yeah, like there's so many people fucked up like, by this world. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Just to you know, like have someone just having an outlet to be like, mm, this 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 problem is so petty in the scheme of things, but it's so big to me. Like. It's just yeah. what it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's totally. But sometimes it is like in the moment. I'm one of those people. I'm very, I'm a very, very reactive person. Like, and sometimes I, I do. And then like an hour later, I'm like, why did I care so much? Why did I get so upset by, you know, I sent something to someone and it didn't get there when it should be, and I felt so bad. I'm like, 
it doesn't matter. Like that wasn't your fault. That's Ozpo's fault. Like let it go. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Oh, but I get so caught up in like letting people down. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> oh, we're getting fully into it. This is the first time we've spoken. So the people are listening are probably like, they're just like having a conversation. But it, it literally Oh my is. God, and I didn't even realize that. See, this is this whole social media <laughs> thing where you're just like, oh, it's the first time we've actually spoken voice, you know, like, yeah. I know, it's so weird. And because you're quite, you're like, well, Brit's like your best mate. And I'm getting <laughs> friendly with Brit. Like, I feel like I know you. And she always says to me, she's like, you and Liv are really similar. And I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Brit. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Brit. Um, so let's get back to the questions. I've like totally swayed from them. But uh, oh, tell us something we don't know about you. Is there anything we don't know about you? <laughs> You're like, probably not. Here's the um, list. I don't know. Um, Other than that, you like to sing when you're alone and put on little shows. Oh, well, I mean, everybody knows that because it's like it's there for people to see <laughs> on my, my Instagram. Um, it's Friday Night Entertainment. <laughs> that's are you it. done with babies? That's a question. Are you are you done? Um, So we were hands down done, like so done. Like Jez was booking for the snip and then we weren't and then he cancelled it and then we were like so having one, like, we were like literally like trying like and then we were just done again like I don't know what oh, happened like um, have a, it's funny how it comes in waves like yeah Toby and I were a bit the same we're like Blake's only one I haven't even like this is TMI but I haven't even had a period or anything so I, since I've had Blake I'm still fully breastfeeding it's insane but Toby said to me that he's like let's just get it done and I was like yeah 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 and then I was like after like a few nights of trying of whatever you want to say I was like fuck no like there's no way I could deal with another one right now like we all had gastro it was full on in those moments I was like nah we're done and then there's some days where the kids ate and I'm like let's have 10 more I know and like I I I mean I love I love being a mom and I love having girls like if I could if I could have more girls I would hands down have more girls um but we travel a lot and yeah. I just think that perhaps like for our lifestyle and where we're at, like it's not it's not the right thing for us. You've got plenty of time though. You're 30. Like people are just starting to think about babies like in this day and age. And Jez says that to me all the time. He's like, oh, let's just look at it again in like five years. You've got so much. And I think you'll know like or it might just happen. <laughs> Who knows? Well, and that's it. Who knows? Like, we're not saying no. We're not saying yes. We're not saying anything like – we're just living our life, doing our thing. Like I've got heaps of travel coming up and Jess yeah. has got his business. And What does Jess do? Can I ask or is it secret? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so he owns a business called G Mobility that sells mobility aids and equipment. So he works in the assistive technology space and he's really passionate about what he does. And, um, yeah, obviously like providing equipment for the elderly and disabled. And, That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a complete opposite to what I do. And he loves his job because obviously, you know, everything he does is geared towards giving people their independence back. So, um, yeah, he loves it. That's amazing. All right. right, So we're getting to the end. What's next for you? Can I ask that question? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I'm not a planner. Um, I guess I have goals and I I 100% believe in manifestation and um, travel is like a really big thing for me. And I feel like the last couple of years I've really – um sort of like seeing that all come to fruition you know like 
Yeah. I don't You're Madison just to Disneyland, City. aren't you? Did I make that up? No, so I went to Disney World in June. Um, and that was the same time that I went to Facebook. So that was amazing. Uh, but I am going to Disneyland Japan uh, just as a holiday in the next couple of months. So that's also exciting. That's super exciting. So just sort of like more of the same, I guess, is it? Yeah, like I've got projects that I'm working on like for myself and obviously you would know that I do a lot around um, like budgeting and um, yeah. say, and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm so passionate about um, not so much from the sense of like, oh, you know, I could save money and stuff, but it's more around empowering women uh, when it comes to money and helping women take more control of their finances, be aware of their finances, um, have financial independence, you know, I think that when you're a mom, it's easy to say, like, oh, well, I don't, I don't work or I don't earn any money, but you yeah. know, that's not, that's not how it is. And I, I grew up with a single mom, um, you know, who was left in a pretty shitty circumstance. And I guess it just stems from that where it's just something that I really care about and that I'm really passionate about. So a lot of my content is geared towards that. Uh, obviously yeah. I do hate around like body positivity and self-love yeah. and um, that's why, you know, something that brought me and Brit together um yeah. which is awesome so you but met yeah. through social we met through social yeah see it brings great things you know it actually really does it's brought me like some of my best friends oh absolutely so like um I count myself very lucky for the opportunities and the friendships that I've made through here and while it's so easy to talk about the negatives and we do we, we often highlight the negatives because for every 100 nice comments you get it just takes one nasty comment to stick in your mind um and so yeah it's just about sort of like finding that balance and finding yeah finding yeah, the like, good and I think it's so important like you said like with the comments and whatever you've got to go back to the good like if it's if it's something you love and you're passionate about and you want to keep going then you've got to almost sometimes I feel like turn a blind eye to the shit and just keep doing what you know because I feel like the people that are it's not even succeeding that are genuinely creating something good on there, they always have really beautiful intentions. It's the people that intentions aren't quite right. I feel like that um, you can sniff the rat in them, if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, and I think that it goes to show the people that are on here, like on social media, who've been around since, you know, the dawn of time or whatever, yeah. um, the, the cut through is there. Do you know what I mean? Like people will eventually work out if it's fake and people will eventually work out like if you have bad intentions. And look, I don't actually think anyone really has bad intentions. I think it's no. more selfish. Um, people are just, you know, they see there's freebies. They see there's money to be made. They're, they think that fame is the end game. And yeah. fame can't be the only only goal it's, it's not a yeah. thing like it's not a goal to have it's just a byproduct of like yeah. the notoriety is just a byproduct of you know you like for me I love what I do and I love the platform and the voice that it gives me for the things I care about but I could do without that side of it yeah. like I don't want to just come to an event to be at an event no like you I want to take some things away from it but it's the tangible things that people can give you that are invaluable that you're offering. Like even like we talked about the blog post today that you did, like that stuff to small business, invaluable. Like it's that stuff that I think is really, really cool that you bring um, to the world of social media. 
Ah, well, thank you. That's but okay. that's it. Like, I think you've always got to consider, like, you know, what, yeah, what is this going to bring to people? Like, how is this going to help people? Like, yeah. Um, and it's the same with like, you know, when someone does invite you to an event or does ask you to, to do something, like I always ask, okay, it's not what are they trying to sell, it's what problem are they trying to solve um, because that. that's a huge part in then how I translate their product to my audience. And, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, like we've all got to fucking make money. Like, and We have to live. Like, we have kids. Yeah. We have bills to pay. We have a life. Like <laughs> you have to make money somehow. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think there is a fine line tread just when it comes to, you know, making sure it aligns with your purpose. And there's always a way, usually. Very cool. Anyway, I'm going to do, so these are the five quickies. Are you ready for them? Have you, have you read these? No, I haven't read them. <laughs> okay, Shit. get ready. Shit. Okay, okay. here we go. <laughs> Would you rather have a huge penis tattooed on your stomach or mm-hmm. have vaginas as ears? And when I say vaginas, I'm talking like. They have all the symptoms that vaginas get. Penis and they're on stomach. A massive dick tattoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, so you could never wear like, I guess you just have to wear a one piece. I don't yeah, know how fine. I feel. like. I don't need the amount. Of, I don't need the periods that I get coming out of my ears. Do you get hectic periods after kids? I get hectic periods, yeah. Yeah. I've ha- Well, I never have my period. Like it's so, like I had Heidi, breastfed for 18 months, fell pregnant. Lost that baby, had like four periods and fell pregnant with Blake and haven't had a period since. So I have no idea what I'm in for, but apparently periods after kids are really, really, really painful. Fucked. Yeah. <laughs> not about that. You, you wear the Moddy Bodies. I do and I love them. They are the you best. They freak me out. Do you wash nah. them? Yeah, you wash them. Do they get all the leakage? Yeah. What about the VPL? Like when you wear the tight? Well, the seam-free ones. So, yeah, I just wear the seam-free ones. But I wear nano knickers as it is anyway. So, like, I don't really care about visible panty line. I'm like, I ain't here to impress no one. Just good old jizz. Yeah, that's it. He he likes your your nano knicks. Yeah, he loves them. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Sweet or savoury? I feel like I know this. Savoury. Just smashed a kebab, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready? Brazilian <clears throat> runway or a bush? Say that again. Brazilian, a runway or a bush? Oh, Brazilian, all the way. I thought you said, yeah, I thought that the first thing was one thing combined. Like, I was like, huh? What is that? No, Brazilian, no, no, Brazilian. Oh, like, yeah. all gone. See, I was full Brazilian lasered before I had kids, and then it like weirdly grew back. Yeah, so because your hormones change like the hair. I've had laser, so mine was all gone, and then I had Teddy, and it come back. Yeah, it's so weird. I was like, that was the biggest waste of money. So until I'm done having kids, I'm not lasering. So yeah, shaving will do. Okay, sleeping bag or swaddling? Ah, sleeping bag. Yeah, ditto. Swaddling's too hard. All right, and to end it, what is your message to the mama, the woman that might be listening today? What do you want to leave them with? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's seriously. Um, I guess, like, for me and going back to my why and my, like, whole purpose on Instagram is just 
trying to like empower women, especially um, not just around like good financial decisions and stuff like that, but just to take control. Do you know what I mean? And that can look like anything, you know, like it doesn't have to be the same thing for other people. And it's just being sure in your decisions, um, you know, not letting external things influence you being okay with no being okay with failures and owning it taking control of it um that's the biggest thing that I've learned from social media you know because everyone wants to talk to you about your successes and like the awesome stuff you've done but for every awesome stuff thing I've done there's probably like five things that I've fucked up or have been a no or I haven't done do you know what I mean like it's all a lesson it's all a learning game yeah it's just all a learning game like just own it like yeah you know whatever, be okay with being you I think yeah, that's whatever it is that you're doing in life do it like a boss yeah Love even that. if it's doing nothing fucking do it like a boss <laughs> even if it's singing when your husband's at a bucks and your kids are at a sleepover smashing a kebab drinking your one glass of wine yeah do it that's like it fucking smash a kebab <laughs> And get a psychologist. Get a psychologist, smash a kebab, drink wine. <laughs> my life motto. Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much. We're going to end it there. But yeah, um, it's been so nice chatting. Oh, well, thank you for having me. That's very exciting. I'm glad that our internet sorted of shit out. Yeah. Sorry, guys, about all the quality issues. But let's hope the banter and the takeaways overruled the Wi-Fi issues. Liv is a legend and we instantly hit it off, which you can probably tell from the length of this podcast. We're yet to meet face to face, but I am excited for the day that that happens. I'll be back in your ears in two weeks. Thanks again to Happy Way for fueling today's episode. Be sure to head to my Instagram for a cheeky discount code on all their awesome superfood products. Give the potty a rating and review if you're feeling it. And next Sunday on YouTube, we dive into IVF, surrogacy, cancer, career, and more with the fabulous Sally Obermeter. I'll be back here on the podcast in two weeks. Peace.